Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact, you can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. Life is full of awesome what-ifs and some not so much, like unexpected medical costs. That's why United Healthcare provides Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans to supplement your primary plan and help manage out-of-pocket costs. Learn more at uh1.com. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. The following is a presentation of the Four Center podcast feed. From the center of the galaxy, this is the Four Center Podcast feed. I'm Ken Neff. I'm Joseph Scrimshaw. And I'm Jennifer Landa. We are all here to discuss breaking news from a long time ago and, well, actually, to preview The Mandalorian Season 3 based off of some wonderful news bits that we're going to discuss. John Favreau out making the rounds, as he should be, talking about the show. Before we get to all that, today's podcast is brought to you by Audible. Get a free audiobook download and a 30-day free trial at audibletrial.com slash center. Over 180,000 titles to choose from for your iPhone, Android, Kindle, or MP3 player. A little bit later, we'll have our Four Center recommends an audiobook we think you should try out on us and 
help the show in the process. Uh, we also have an ask, and I am still buzzing from the fun of Friday night here. Joseph, uh, we had a lot of fun. Jen, you showed up and it was a lot of fun. Everyone was excited to see you. Uh, but based on that, Joseph, we do have a current ask. That is right. Uh, we put uh, some big work into refreshing our Patreon page. It is the return of the Patreon page. We want to thank everyone who has supported us on the Patreon page over the years. Uh, and we really came to realize that is our most consistent way of keeping Force Center financially going. So we wanted to reinvest in that. So we made a uh, some new tiers, some new rewards. And the big news from Patreon is that we are going to finally experiment with covering something that isn't exactly Star Wars. We're going to be talking about Indiana Jones. Uh, we're calling this series of seven episodes Indiana Jones and the Perilous Podcast. Um, so Ken and I are going to be talking big picture uh, thoughts and feelings about Indiana Jones. We're going to discuss each of the movies building up to Dial of Destiny. And as we're doing that over the next few months, those are going to be exclusive to Patreon. After Dial of Destiny comes out, we'll make those public. So if you want to go with us on the Indiana Jones journey to Dial of Destiny, you can uh, check out our Patreon and see if it is for you. Yes, you can. Yes, you can. Jen, do you have any hot Indiana Jones takes? Frigid? <laughs> Rats <laughs> on planes? No, I just think of the Indiana Jones ride at Disneyland. And, you know, they have they have that animatronic indie. <laughs> What does he say? Why did it have to be snakes? I think that he says something like that. Anyways, that's what I think of. But I'm excited. I want to join you guys on the journey. Not, I mean, I want to listen because I uh, I don't know too much. I mean, I know the movie, you know, the movies, mm -hmm. but I'm not oh. a an expert on indie. Well, the seat in our plane that is going to crash into the mountain is always open for you. Uh, <laughs> but, uh, maybe we, I think maybe Joseph, Jennifer just hit on something. Maybe we do end up having to do an episode on the ride, which means we have Ooh. to go to Disneyland and record there. Oh. We have to go to Disneyland and stare at the fencing that has that ride entirely blocked off because I think they're revising it for the new film. They oh. are. Oh, that's see. So there you go. More reason field trip. Yeah. Yeah, but we can we can go anyway and just we can record in yeah. front of it. <laughs> <We'll eat intros. laughs> yeah. Absolutely. Yes. Absolutely. Absolutely. So uh yeah, just Joseph said uh we, we put a lot of elbow grease into the Patreon page and uh, cool things like merch, new tiers, and the big goal. So uh hey, uh check all that out. If you want, we do have some uh, Star Wars of Life Adventures to get to. It was, uh, you know, an actual winter weekend here. We often make fun. Yes, SoCal, we're not as cold as the other parts of the country. It, you know, I looked out my my window and there was snow on the mountains and, and them there are hills in Burbank. So uh, I'll say it was a winter weekend. Jen, how did you get through it all? And did Star Wars lead you, lead you through the flurries? It was, as I said on our Q&A, like Camino. It was coming <laughs> down. Uh, it, it was kind of. It was kind of fun at first, and then it got kind of annoying. Um, not too many adventures besides our Q&A, which was a lot of fun. Um, and I, I, I had a couple – I felt a little frazzled. You know when you sometimes feel drunk, but you have not had a drop of alcohol? <laughs> That's kind of how I felt. And I was just spewing things left and right that I, like I wanted to taste. Uh, Oga, as I learned, it's Oga's Obsession at the mm. Galaxy's Edge. Mm which it was, I don't know if they still offer it, an appetizer. I called it caviar. It is the furthest thing from caviar. <laughs> Never had caviar in my life. So I don't know what I was talking about. I think I was thinking of like fish row, but um, 
<laughs> it's a green dish in like a petri looking type dish. Mm. And it's actually boba mm. made with like lemonade. Um, it has a cotton candy flavor, blueberry flavor. Wow. And then it has, yeah. And then it has a dried fruit mixture on top and it looks uh, mm. fun is what I'll say. It looks fun. And I always wanted to try it. Although I think that they don't, offered anymore i'm not 100 sure you guys could let let me know but that uh, i did a little diving into that um <laughs> and since i always bring it up and i promise i won't always bring this up every episode but okay i'll share this bring so my up. daughter was humming this song mm-hmm. we were we were creating a zip line for her for her dolls <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and i heard her singing this something and she's like we are brave we are bold we are strong and we will fight we will stand up for our rights I was like, what is she singing? And then she goes, we are the E, 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 E. <laughs> I said, let's get, what? Are you singing the Ewoks theme song? She goes, yeah. I said, how do you know the word? She goes, I, I just listened to it. I, I have heard that song. I don't know how many times. <laughs> I just thought it was kind of amazing that this song says, we will fight and we will stand up for our rights. Like. Yeah. That's pretty. That's pretty a uh, powerful message uh, for kids learning about standing up for your rights from an Ewoks cartoon. And I don't know if they would do that nowadays, yeah. right? People might, might get be a upset. little, yeah, a little too uh, subversive, a little too action oriented. <laughs> yeah, we, yeah. we will politely uh, request uh, <laughs> that our rights be. Oh, okay, sorry. Uh, maybe right. next time. Yeah, right. but I, I just the, the way you were describing that it makes me really wish that the Beastie Boys had done a cover of the Ewok song. I think they could have rocked it. Oh, it's <laughs> like Jed's got some Beastie Boys rocking. That's <laughs> nice. Okay, it's not, the, not the same thing. The Yubna rap. I I want to hear it. Um, <laughs> but yeah, I just thought that was really funny that she listens to the lyrics. I'm the type of person that I don't know if you guys are, but I I, ne- I never pay attention to the lyrics. I just listen to the melody. Um, mm-hmm. But mm-hmm. yeah, that was funny. That was a funny moment. Yeah. Usually I'm the other way. I want to find out if a song is sad enough for me to love. So yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. <laughs> melody helps too. That's amazing. That's wonderful. That's great. Uh, Joseph, we were uh, busy uh, as well during the weekend, a lot going on. Uh, you're used to this snow, but you know, you know, did you have fun in it at least? Uh, I had fun uh, watching where there was enough accumulation in the general Los Angeles area to physically make a snowball. There was uh, enough to, I think, make one, uh, there was one snowball's worth <laughs> Yeah, yeah. snow at my uh, at my wife's place of work in Beverly Hills. So that was that's amazing and frightening to see. Uh, Amazing (laughs) and frightening. I'm so tired of being cold. And I say that as somebody who has, you know, lived, survived, thrived in Minneapolis where it does get to. Hey, when I was there in December, it was negative 10 and I went Mm -hmm. shopping for action figures and I made it. So I am not some sort of uh, weather wimp. and and the the thing that's just uh that, that gets me so much is like yeah it's it's forty degrees which in uh, Minneapolis around this time would be like t shirt weather people would be out on the lake um at forty degrees but that's because their homes have insulation and furnaces <laughs> they would not leave their homes at forty degrees which is my apartment has been about forty degrees for weeks and I'm losing it yeah oh, yeah. yeah. Hoodies, sweatshirts, yeah, walking around the house. That ain't. And I have, uh, you know, this house built in 1920. I don't know how they did it. Nothing. No insulation even nearby. Not even mm. <laughs> the word isn't allowed in the home. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so, you know, it, it's been a busy but good time. Um, I did get some Star Wars adventures. Uh, my wife and I are rewatching Mandalorian and a Book of Boba Fett. We got into Book of Boba Fett and, oh, I'm just enjoying it so much. Mm. Um, 
I, I'm sure it'll come up again uh, later in this episode, but I think there is plenty to discuss about, uh, hey, you're enjoying Boba Fett's story, and then even though it all thematically works, we we walk away from Boba Fett, and we get great stuff with uh, Din and Grogu, but we're pulled away from Boba Fett, and there's lots to discuss about that. But man, is it great to just rewatch the show knowing that that's coming and not worry about it and just engage with the stories for the stories, and I'm enjoying them so much and getting getting so much out of Book of Boba Fett. I'm uh, right there with you. I just finished my chapter four book above that uh, rewatch this morning before sitting down to record. And that last, that music cue at the end where, you know, Fennec's like, hey, you know, we can find them. We, we, <laughs> we know where to look. And, and the music cue hits and, and even the the flares and everything and, and intertwining with Fennec's story with book uh, Mandalorian season one. It, it's just, it's just fun. And that's kind of that, that chapter four is a wild, weird episode in itself, right? It mod, is. Mod parlor. It, it goes places. It's something else. <laughs> and, and, um, uh, yeah, Book of Boba Fett remains the, a fun adventure for me. So I'm with you on that. Yeah, absolutely. For me, it was just a, one of those reminders of a thing that we talk about on the podcast is, hey, we all have strong reactions as we wrestle with uh, expectations, no matter how much we try to uh, control them or be aware of them. And sometimes it's great to just go rewatch something, knowing what it is and setting all those expectations aside. So mm-hmm. that was great. Uh, other Star Wars adventure for me is uh, our apartment building now has this, uh, hey, l- leave it uh, in the laundry room and if somebody takes it, great uh, table. Uh, and uh, mm-hmm. my wife found the Attack of the Clones visual dictionary from 2002 in the laundry room. <laughs> Whoa, what a great find. <laughs> this is, I just got a text like, hey, uh, do you want this? And I was like, where are you? Did you go to Barnes and Noble? Did you go to a used bookstore? Like, that's in our uh, laundry room. Bring it up here. <laughs> oh man, I'm gonna hang around your laundry room because I want a copy too. Yeah, the journey of that getting there, I need to know who they, who had that book, when did they get it, and what was the deep breath? Ah, this has got to go moment to put it down there. <laughs> it's time to let go. Yep, <laughs> they've moved on in their Jedi training. Uh, I have not moved on to that point. I'm not letting go of anything. Oh, that's, so oh, that's amazing. That's oh god, the Dex entry's got to be amazing. Mm. Can't wait to flip through it. So th- those were my adventures, Ken. How about you? Uh, you know, I set up top. I, I, I was buzzing from the fun of, of, of Friday night. And though, uh, unlike Jen, I, I did have uh, three whiskeys. So maybe that was part of it, too. Uh, <laughs> but just uh, feeling the, the the love and the connection with all the Four Center uh, fans and, and, you know, the revamp of the Patreon page, the Indiana Jones show, doing more things on YouTube. It, it, it is all, you know us uh, really digging in on the business side and, and, and trying to make force center even bigger. But, but the truth of that is it's just, it's us wanting to talk about star Wars more and connect with you all. all and, and I just kind of felt, felt the love from that. And that carried me through the weekend at a very, I, I took Saturday and Sunday off from my, my work and working out. Um, I took all that time off to do other work <laughs> and, it <laughs> felt productive and it felt good. And a lot of that was four center stuff. And then we also put up on, on the YouTube channel, we put a clip out from the live show. Uh, we titled uh, you know, How Will the Reception of the, of the Sequel Trilogy Change. Uh, and we put that clip out and, and, and we're going to be doing more of that. We might even pull out more from that episode. But I got to say, personally, I had wanted to do this. I woke up that Sunday morning. I was like, all right, let me, I've given it a day. Let me make sure I like what we say. Yeah, I, was I too drunk in, in my rantings? Uh, <laughs> all, all good. Stand by it. Stand by. Obviously, what Joseph said. So, hey, we're gonna put it out. And I had a, I had I had some fear in doing that. It, you know, the, YouTube in particular, but you know, YouTube is is uh, or internet is is uh, is a war zone as we know for a lot of different reasons and a lot of different causes and a lot of different things. And I think I've had some hesitation in the past of just putting anything 
uh, uh, close to a strong opinion out where I can't control it. I think here in the mm-hmm. podcast, we can control it a little better. Uh, mm-hmm. You can't on YouTube because people could just swing by and comment. And, and that sometimes not because I don't want to hear uh, uh, dissenting opinions or other thoughts, any of that. No, no, no. But I just, I don't, it, it affects me psychologically sometimes I have to admit. And mm-hmm. so uh, I just don't want to, didn't want to spend my Sunday afternoon screaming at a wall or yelling at someone in a, while I take a shower to try to calm down or, or just being upset, you know, just being upset. And, and I didn't want to associate that with four center. Uh, the videos uh, up and people have been very nice. Um, uh, only one troll removed. And it just helped me calm down about that. Number one, you're strong enough to take others' opinions. Uh, you know, even those that are kind of crazy, you don't have to engage with them. Or if it's a good point, you take their point, you listen to their perspective. Uh, and that's a good thing too. But uh, it, it just reminded me again, the, the power of the Four Center community. So thank you all. It, that's That was my Star Wars adventure. The Four Center friends we have out there. <laughs> Very good. And, and I agree with you with the, uh, all the stuff we've been doing, uh, YouTube and the Patreon and, and all that stuff. Uh, really, it felt like it culminated in Friday's Q&A. Uh, you know, Jennifer being there, everybody just being, I think, in a very festive, excited mood. It was it was really amazing. And Kenny reminded me, since we've been doing these asks, we should probably, uh, you know, mention when we accomplish one. Uh, we've been uh, doing our ask to try to get to 7,000 subscribers on YouTube, and we did cross that. So thank you all yeah. for that. Yeah, absolutely. It's a small number, but a mighty number. And, and, and you know, I know you look out in the YouTube landscape and there's people doing wonderful things and people doing um, big numbers while doing horrible things. And we just got our <laughs> corner and the growth is, uh, is slow and steady and it is, uh, but the point is it's growth and we really appreciate that. Yeah, it was good. It was good to celebrate that live on air. So mm-hmm. no, there you go. That's uh, that's all. That's all. I think that's about it. other than rewatches. Uh, I, I'm going to do, there's a short I got planned. I found, um, I'll preview it all. <laughs> I was at 7-Eleven and I found some Mandalorian IPA. It is not officially licensed. licensed. Ooh. It's not. As you can, you can tell by the art. So I'm going to film a little short. It'll be on the camera. <laughs> uh, getting ready for Mandalorian. So, well, we're going to get ready for Mandalorian here. And we're going to use the Star Wars news to take a look at that. John Favreau is out and about. Uh, he and Pedro Pascal were in... Uh, London, right? They are UK somewhere out there, mm-hmm. I believe. Right? All around, all around. Uh, into Spain as well. They were just doing the the, the European swing. Uh, and now uh, Mandalorian is close to debuting. TV spots, we, we tried to avoid it. There's one shot that looks cool. It looks cool. It doesn't like spoil anything, but we're so close to the show. I just didn't want to, didn't want to see it, but it, I saw it and it looks great. But on that note, we're going to go into John Favreau and plans, uh, podcasts, and possibilities. Uh, once again, shout out the folks at Star Wars News Night to put a lot of this into one spot. But uh, to go to the full interview that uh, John Favreau had with the fine folks at Inside Total Film, you can find it on GamesRadar.com. And we're going to pull out some of the stuff and kind of use that to. Uh, preview Mandalorian, like I said. Favreau, Favreau uh, while speaking with Inside Total Film, had some interesting big picture things to say, and let's dive into it. The Mandalorian cultural cultural divide uh, with Din and Grogu reunited. The big threads revolve around the Darksaber, returning to Mandalore and the competing Mandalorian ideals. John was asked about this, and uh, in regard to all that, he said, what started off as just new characters going to new planets, and we were introducing the audience to a smaller story, we've gotten to know a lot of different Mandalorians along the way. We found out that not all of them are seen eye to eye. There's a lot of questions that have to be answered, and hopefully 
all of it comes together in this season is the return to Mandalore. And we figure out how this Mandalorian culture evolves past this critical point in their history. I love that. I thought there was a lot there. Big preview. That's actually the quote. I was like, this isn't a news story. This is a preview. So, uh, Joseph, we'll start with you. What do you think will hopefully come together with Din, Bo-Katan, and the return to Mandalorian, uh, to Mandalore, uh, and the Mandalorian culture? What do you got here? Yeah, there's so much there. And I'll throw Boba Fett in there because Boba Fett is a, he's a, he's a real Mandalorian light of like, yeah, I'm Mandalorian by creed, but I make up my own creed. just like yeah. my daddy did. So he's a perspective as well. Um, but big picture, I really do think it is about this classic Star Wars theme of the old versus the new and finding the balance in between, right? Yeah. Of the, what's the balance between this, uh, rigid creed versus, uh, creative, uh, evolution, of the way that you approach that creed. It, it is, I think, similar kind of sequel trilogy ideas of like, nobody's saying throw everything out, uh, but we're saying maybe it's time to grow and adapt and be responsive to the times that we're in. Mm-hmm. Um, one thing I was really affected by that I think might be one of the central questions on the table, I could be totally wrong. Um, just rewatched the Book of Boba Fett episode uh, with Din, where the armor kind of lays out lots of very strong opinions and perspectives, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, including a very negative review of Bo-Katan's reign. I forgot in particular that it's very coded, not just in the old ways of we've gone back, the, the children of the watch have gone back to the old traditional Mandalorian ways, but also there's this um, fear of the change and different because there's this whole myth of if you don't win the Darksaber by creed, you will cause this calamity. And she's kind of blaming in this sort of mythic way, Bo-Katan. It's not even a disagreement with tactics. It's saying like um, in this very, uh, frankly, religious way of, you know, you broke a mystical tenant and this is, you know, everything that's happened is, is your fault. But in that uh, debate as well, you know, she's talking to Din about Grogu and saying the Jedi must forgo all attachment. And Din really makes a point of saying that is the opposite of our creed. Mm. Uh, loyalty and solidarity is the way. Uh, and everybody nods their head and agrees. And then, you know, uh, just a little bit later in the episode, not a lot of loyalty and solidarity when they follow the creed <laughs> that mm-hmm. Paz Vizla can try to murder his brother, <laughs> you know, one of three remaining in their covert, mm-hmm. you know, to own that dark saber. So I think that that there is in the creed that Din has grown up with, there's this tension between what does loyalty and solidarity mean versus what does it mean to always be a hunter and to even have conflict, not only with other Mandalorians who disagree with you, but even have constant conflict within your group. Uh, Mm -hmm. I think Din is committed to the way because he was shown mercy, kindness, empathy. He was rescued, taken in. He's not a super emotional guy, but he brings that up pretty often, you know? So he turned around and showed those same things that he truly values to Grogu. And now he's being punished for it. So I think a lot of it comes down to there, there are some things that Din is probably going through that says that the, I want to just follow the way because it's what I know and it's what I believe in. But there's some parts of it I believe in because I truly believe in it. And there's some parts I'm just kind of following because it is the way, you know? Yeah. Uh, so I think that might be a, a big part of what the tension is that's internal to Din, but that's also representative of what's the conflict between the armor and Bo-Katan feeling like she needs to grow and change, but also 
is clinging to the old ways of she wants to take the dark saber back by violence because it didn't work the other way. So all of it is to me about that finding that path between the old and the new. Yeah, and moving forward, right? Taking those steps forward. We're going to talk about the future of, of Grogu and all that stuff in, in a second here as well. But yeah, I agree with you. Uh, didn't kind of go on, but, 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 right? <laughs> There's a lot of a lot of that going on. Yeah. Uh, and the unraveling of the armor's words, a character you and I and, and, and Jen, I, I'm sure you enjoy as well. Like we, mm-hmm. we're, I'm always intrigued by the armor and glad she's there because of, of what put them, all right, if there's this cult that, wandered off and, and adhered to the old ways, like Bo-Katan says, like, all right, what caused that? What was the split? Is it a reaction to Duchess Satine? Is it a reaction to the Empire? Like, what what, what did that, was what, what to them, is that some sort of protection? And then how can you move past that there? And I love your point of Din going, but you pulled me out of the literal ground. Save me, you know? Mm-hmm. What, isn't that the way? Not, not uh, what, you know, what's yeah. going here? And she's down with that up to a point. Grogu is a foundling mm-hmm. and that is okay, but there's this hard line on, on intimacy, right? Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. you can only connect exactly the way that I say you can connect. Yeah. It's a connection that always turns back to violence. You know, mm-hmm. he's welcome back. Is like, great. You found home. We're, we're glad that you're here. He thanks Paz Vizsla for saving him. <laughs> what feels like seconds later, Paz Vizsla is trying to murder him. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it's the imagery, of, especially in season one. There's so many times, you know, just things torn apart, broken, and rebuilt, right? Over mm-hmm. and over again. It seems like we're looking, taking that and looking at the just uh, Mandalore as a whole. Jen, uh, your thoughts on this one here and uh, where you want to go with uh, the Mandalorian culture clash? I love that, that point about the old versus the new. And I think that this inner turmoil is going to be the, the driving force of this uh, of this season. And how will Din find inner peace? How will he forgive himself for mm. what he did, right? But, and I think I'd like to see him realize that he, he doesn't need to, uh, quote unquote, atone for his sin, right? That there, that there can be something new because he, when you look at the images, I think it's in season one, episode when you see him being rescued and you see how they just the mandalorians how they not only protected him but like they like like nurtured him they they cared for him there's such Mm. compassion that they showed and what he just experienced with the armor is a total opposite of that and that must be really jarring and making his head spin a little bit right Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. That this group that saved him is now casting him out, this family, the only family really now that he's known. And how, how do you deal with that? And I, I think it's actually a thing that a lot of people can can uh, relate yeah. to and yeah. finding your own way and and having peace with that and not feeling guilt with that and maybe turning his back on on that. Right. Um, Bo-Katan, I, I'd love to see her become the leader that she wants to be without having to become the villain or resorting to violence. That's going to be a challenge. Um, and you know, the biggest thing I think about is removing that damn helmet. <laughs> Sorry, <laughs> because how else are you going to, I mean, they've done a really great job expressing how he feels through his words, through mm-hmm. his body language. But, but there could be small moments in Pedro Pascal's face that we could see that the anguish, the turmoil, without having to say a word, 
That's kind of what I would like to see. And I think it could also work story-wise if he took off his helmet. Helmet that's like kind of making peace with with that choice that he made initially. So Mm -hmm. uh, something I'm curious about. Uh, I love that. And Joseph, I want to definitely get your thoughts on a maskless Mando and how much more. <laughs> one of your great points I love, Jen, is is, is uh, confusion, pain. Everyone look at it with Mando kind of going, hey, again, you know, reiterating that you did this to me. You helped me. But why isn't that the same? And, and how that's the star is this big sci fi wild Star Wars way of looking at, hey, how many times in your life has there been something you've been a part of or you've been, um, you know, uh, part of a, a, a maybe an organization built built around shared beliefs, and you're like, "Hey, the first bump in the road, and you're casting me out, or the what seemed like our way is now focused back on me, causing pain and struggle for me, and and maybe in some cases you're just kicked out, and you don't feel like you belong, and and it's just you know how do you how do you move forward with that by by still retaining who you were and who who you were raised to be or who you wanted to be from that? I don't know. It's all big spiritual mm-hmm. stuff. <laughs> it's yes. all this guy in a mask. And a little Yoda. Amazing stuff. <laughs> Anyways, uh, a lot of stuff there, Joseph. But uh, yeah, I was particularly interested about uh, your thoughts, Joseph, on, uh, you know, not just if will we see Maskless Mando, I'm sure at some point, but uh, uh, that, that seems like the character might have to come to terms with that at some point. Yeah, I think so. I think that's been set up as the sort of the ultimate choice. Like, it, mm-hmm. it's one thing for him to kind of stay inside the lines. You know, he uh, was going out and bounty hunting and then bringing things back to the the foundling didn't seem like he was really having a re- emotionally robust, great life when we met him. Uh, but it's one thing to kind of stay inside the lines when you have a system. Right. Mm-hmm. And then in the armor is just down there going, these are the rules follow on period. Right. Yeah. But the journey we've gone on with him, we have seen him cling to his honor and constantly find ways to go. Okay. Well, I can't just have it exactly the way I want it, but mm-hmm. I can make a compromise. I can make a deal. I I am supposed to kill Cobb Vance in this bar now and take mm-hmm. the armor. Mm-hmm. But he made me an honorable deal. And so <laughs> I'll do that. He's He's been going through the galaxy holding on to his honor, holding on to the part of the creed that matters to him while still mm-hmm. learning to be flexible. And I feel like I think that is going to lead at some point to a, mm-hmm. a helmetless din. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And And... The reality is sometimes, you know, you just want maybe Pedro to stop uh, just killing it out there and having to take every role and free up the shooting schedule a little bit. But uh, that aside, I, I don't worry about those realities. Uh, I just worry about the character, and that just makes yeah. sense. One other thing I wanted to shout out real quick is uh, it's really powerful to watch both seasons of Mandalorian and Boba Fett's season at once and see the similar paths they're on. We talked about it a lot, but mm-hmm. it's one thing to watch it one week at a time, another uh, to watch it quickly. And everything we're talking about here... Boba Fett kind of forged his own new path, and it is related to the Mandalorian Creed, right? When he mm-hmm. goes so far as to just blatantly tell Fennec, uh, my time with the Tuscans made me stronger. You don't get uh, too far without a tribe. Mm. I think that's powerful. That is another influence on Din of somebody who does have honor, is absolutely willing to use violence, and mm-hmm. found their own way forward. Yeah, yeah. Again, the thematic connections are strong. I get the 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 sometimes awkward uh, beat it creates in that in that show to do that uh, gear shift, so to speak. But it's always there. I was just watching that 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 campsite conversation with Fennec is is it's just a great one. It's one of my favorites of that series. Mm. Uh, kind of a the mission statement of Boba Fett, whether he knows it or not. He's right. forming. He's forming all that. Um, 
We're not done here. Of course, the journey of Grogu is on the table. Uh, we talk a lot about Grogu, uh, as we should. When asked about Grogu's Force abilities, now that he spent some time with Luke Skywalker, John said this. We know he's trained with Luke Skywalker. Thanks to the Book of Boba Fett, we've been able to have some time pass between the end of Season 2 and the beginning of Season 3. And a big part of that time period was time spent with Luke Skywalker and the training that Grogu received. And so, although he's always had a lot of force potential. It takes the training to bring it to a useful ability that he can engage when they find themselves in sticky situations. So I, I want to go almost just kind of the, this literal kind of idea of what do we make of the time passing approach? Because because not only has Grogu made that big choice to return to Din, and he did it in that show, another show, how dare he, <laughs> but he received training, perhaps a lot of training, definitely more than maybe we saw. Now the story picks up with him a little more skilled. So I just want to th- bring that up and have, ask your thoughts on the view of that decision to show this in the book of Boba Fett after hearing that, uh, or it might be in addition to hearing that, in addition to what was already in your heart, Jen. Um, this is a big debate. And I know there's a lot of videos out there and you, you're, you, you know, a lot of thumbnails saying this is the wrong decision. Again, I understand. Understand it is a, it's a gear shift. No one's going to, I've never denied that. I just uh, do enjoy the ultimate Mandoverse of it all. So, Jen, where'd you go with that? I love it. And I'm happy that they did it because we're going to hit the ground running with season three. It also, you know, one of the things that people are always talking about, I want to see the training. Where's race training? Uh, Training, training, training. Okay, so guess what? (laughs) Grogu got some training, okay? We know Grogu got some training. We saw a little bit of it, and now we got confirmation that there was probably even more of it. So he's going to be more powerful, perhaps more confident, or maybe not. Maybe that could be part of his journey is dealing with knowing when to use his force powers. But um, but yes, I'm happy. And I I love the book of Boba Fett. I love those episodes. I thought it I thought it worked really well. And I think it was it was smart. Um, yeah, it's all connected. It's all connected. <laughs> it's all connected, as I say with yep. the Charlie Day uh <laughs> threads <laughs> binding. <laughs> Yeah, no, yeah. Look again. Uh, we could have the bigger discussion and, and bring up some points here as well about about the choice. It, it it always comes up. Any conversation I have out in the wild about book book of Boba Fett, there's going to be some reference to Mando showing up and either sidetracking book uh, Boba Fett himself or um, saving the show and all those kind of things. And look, all those are are I understand the opinions. I really more than any other Star Wars show, I understand the opinions of of some of the choices made in it. I just. Even even when season two ended, I remember our, we we were asking here on on, on the podcast. Like, I don't know, maybe we don't see Grogu for a year or two. Maybe mm-hmm. the show goes in complete different direction. Uh, and if they made that choice, fine. But I love that when you look on the board, they thought they thought well. And again, realities st- you know sneak in. Pedro can't uh, shoot on set. We don't have him, even though you know we got Latif Crowder and Brendan Wayne. Maybe we go another direction. Uh, maybe we we go here for a little bit, and this book of Boba Fett shows up, and then we have it. We have the ability to to answer this big question, deal with it now, keep it thematically connected, and now we're here at the beginning of season three. I'm glad. Again, my opinion, I'm glad season three is is starting, and I don't have to worry about the big decision. Don't have to worry about two episodes of training. I don't have to watch Davos and Jon Snow on a boat for a month. I just get to go to the <laughs> island. I'm excited about that. Um, and that's why I liked this quote. It made me think like, oh, okay, I, I, you know, whether you agree with it or not, this was the, a decision they made and this is why. And I'm excited about that. So, Joseph, a lot on the table there to you, you to sift through, but uh, where do you go? 
I have to, for once, say I strongly disagree with you, Ken. I would absolutely watch Davos and Jon Snow on a boat for a very long time. <laughs> Look, I, it would be a good eight part series. Uh, you're right about that. <laughs> uh, I think I think uh, I think Davos would would probably agree with the uh, you know nothing Jon Snow and really want to educate him about a lot of things. That would be a very interesting. Uh, I'm no sea captain, but yeah. <laughs> anyway, uh, no, I, I think that I've gained some perspective by talking to lots of different people about uh, Boba Fett. And I think it was I think it was extra difficult because I think a lot of people kind of watch Mandalorian, whatever. I enjoyed it. it. It was cool. Yeah, Baby Yoda. Great. But then people, I think, particularly of our general uh, uh, generation mm-hmm. and then maybe also like the EU generation who really like some of their first you know, books are Boba Fett blasting out of the Sarlacc and, you know, <laughs> kicking butt for three books, the Bounty Hunter Wars, uh, which is one of the uh, EU things I did actually read. I think a lot of people just really disconnected Boba Fett from the Mandoverse and were expecting the show mm-hmm. I've always imagined. Boba Fett wandering the galaxy, getting bounties. Maybe he grows a little bit or whatever, fine. But it's going to be Boba Fett out in the galaxy. So I think people coming to it from that perspective not only had the bump of like, no, this is this is very different. He's on Tatooine. He doesn't want to be a hunter anymore. He wants to be a leader. This is about his emotional growth. Mm-hmm. Already a left turn for a lot of people's expectations. Mm-hmm. And then not understanding that it's meant to be part of the Mandoverse. It's meant to be season 2.5. Uh, was another left turn. So I understand how people really bumped on it. Mm-hmm. I think maybe the better way to handle that would have been to call it, you know, I don't know what the title is. You don't want to call it yeah. The Mandalorian, but maybe it was. Maybe you put Din and Grogu in the trailers and you let people know they're going to show up eventually. They're going to be part of this story. So yeah. people are prepared for that uh, going in. You know, I enjoyed the surprise. Anyway, that's my sort of understanding of where people are coming from and, you know, maybe a critique yeah. of the marketing. But at the end of the day, it, the, the story happened and now we choose to whether we enjoy it or not, yeah. you know, right. um, even even I know there's some people who are like Baby Yoda was too popular. So they made him, you know, mm-hmm. Mando was supposed to go off on his own in season three and they made him do that. Uh, I have no idea. Maybe they did at this point. I don't care because the question is, <laughs> do I enjoy the story or not? And everybody's different. And if that behind the scenes things, yeah. true things, uh, suspicions of things make it so you can't enjoy a story. Uh, f- fair enough. And and, and go forward <laughs> in, in your beliefs and opinions. Fair enough. But for me, I'm going to say strongly for myself, at the end of the day, the story is the story. Mm-hmm. And I love those two episodes. They tie into Book of Boba Fett emotionally. And it's great to just sit down and watch Book of Boba Fett is this is season 2.5 of Mando where the story is moving forward and season three is going to be able to focus on this is Din and Grogu both facing past trauma, deciding who they want to be in the future and everything's focused, centered on what is left of Mandalore, literally and emotionally. That's the story now. Yeah, yeah. Uh, look, it's all comes down to personality. If I order spaghetti and the waiter brings chicken piccata, I don't call him back. I go, well, I'm going to enjoy what I have right here. <laughs> Never once called a waiter back to the table. Uh, but yeah, I, I, your point of, well, you know, make all the videos you want. Uh, this is what it is. And and you have to engage with it. And, and, and I, yeah, you're right. I think there's a marketing problem. I think there's a lot of that. I, I get it. But I don't know. I just like, I, it, it just, uh, 
it's, I'm just glad. I'm just happy where we are, you know. And I don't know if going into Book of Boba Fett, if you'd said, "Hey, this, they're going to resolve it here, and we're going to move past it," I would be like, "Oh, okay." Because again, the chapter two ending, I just having rewatched that. Gosh, that's that's just a powerful beat. I totally mm. understand if oh suddenly, but but we're here, and and that was two years ago in my life. <laughs> I'm ready for this now. I'm <laughs> glad they're back. I'm glad they're on the posters. It just makes a lot of sense. And we're on to bigger and better things. Not that Grogu and, and, and his and Din's relationship is, is small, but there's big picture stuff there. So I, I don't know. I just like that. I like that. I like that a lot. And and then, uh, Jenna, sorry, if you have any other comments on that, I, I want to get to something about the sticky situations, but any other thoughts there on the training? No, no, I'm I, like you said, yeah, bigger onto bigger, bigger things. Because some people might have been like, "Ugh, when are we going to see them back together again?" Right? If we started the season with Grogu off with Luke and all that other stuff, so it just makes sense. Makes sense. I don't, I don't mean to continue, keep it in the cynical realm, but yes, if if you didn't have Book of Boba Fett, number one, oh, we waited so long, it's back, and now we have to still five episodes when our two favorite friends aren't even together. Mm-hmm. You would have had a lot of problem with that, and again, you know, that's just way of it and that doesn't necessarily mean it's the core fan base or anything like that it just would have been part of the weekly twitter uh discussion but uh, i agree with you there um well let's talk about these sticky situations the other part of this that i like uh, and definitely uh, joseph i i think you're like too luke has honed some skills in grogu and now grogu might have a little more x buttons and square buttons mm-hmm. press when he's fighting or involved in things we've already seen some of it his ability to calm the rancor uh, and 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 break that little moment of violence there, um, and, and use his powers. I don't want to say in the correct way, but I would say maybe in the the more proper way, and, and keeping with the heart of a Jedi. Really love that. I really love that. So, what do you think about these so called sticky situations, and what would they teach Grogu about the Force? <laughs> yeah, I mean, I think sticky situations is probably like his dad needs a little help. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, on a very practical level, but on a much larger level. Uh, yeah, I, I I didn't. I got so distracted talking about uh, the book of Boba Fett as a show. I didn't answer your question, Ken, about training. Uh, I love the training. I think it is I- important to remember that that's something that Filoni has held holds close to his heart. That Lucas has always held that you know, force powers can be natural, but they re- you really need to train. That's part of the mythos. That's part of the kind of life lesson. You can be gifted at something, but you need to put your head down and work at it. Um, mm. So I, I think there's that nice just you know, behind the scenes Star Wars continuity. But I feel like the the force training that we've seen from Luke, from Ray, is sometimes what you need from a master is to give you the philosophy, give you the exercises, and they're like, and you go practice on your own. You go continue your studies. You know, Luke didn't stop studying when he left Dagobah, right? Mm-hmm. He just had the 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 tool set. So I like that that Grogu I, I would be even happy to see scenes where like Amanda's like, what you doing? And Grogu's like, got to meditate, man. <laughs> I'm doing my thing. Uh, so there's that on the training. And then I think it, it puts them both in this really interesting place. Grogu having opened back up to his relationship with the Force. He had a lot of training before. Luke even says, like, I think I'm just reminding him of things he he forgot and repressed mm-hmm. from his training in the temple. Oh, yeah, right. Um, yeah. So I think it. It's he's this, got some college credits. He's he's got some credits. Oh yeah, no, he already he had a lot of advanced placement, and now he can just skip to being you know, like a junior in in Jedi College. Yeah, yeah. Um, but I think him opening up to it, not using it intuitively or randomly, not hiding from it, puts him in this interesting point where he's saying, "Okay, I know I have this power. I know I can use it. I'm not running or hiding from it. Now I get to 
choose how I use this power. And I think it puts a similar place with Din, where Din didn't, he was not after that Darksaber. Mm-hmm. It is power. It is a symbol of power. It is literal power. He has it now. What's he going to do with it? So it puts them on, I think, on a similar track yep. to be in this place where they compare both, you know, the Jedi Creed, <laughs> the Mandalorian Creed, and say, which parts of this are valuable? Which parts of this do we agree with and disagree with? And on a real practical level for sticky situations, mm-hmm. a choice of when to use violent force and when not to. And well, Grogu's uh, interpretation of how to use power match up with the choices daddy is making, you know? Mm-hmm. Will Grogu, he's been warned about attachments, will Grogu cross a line because daddy is in danger. I, I think that's some of the interesting stuff that's that's in play. Uh, I, the the point of uh, Jedi skills and the dark saber, and both are in the both of these characters possess these things. And what do they do uh, on the same path? Is a great point. Uh, it's in it's in uh, it's in the marketing, so to speak. Right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, Jen, what do you think about the sticky situations? Other than they're not the stiff little fingers, a great rock band. But uh, what do you think about uh, what they might teach uh, these characters? Yeah, I think you're right. He's going to need to help his his dad out or might need to help himself. There was that artwork, a concept art that came out and it looked like he was chasing after some like crab like rocks. Uh, did you guys see that piece of concept <laughs> no. art? Oh, it's so fun. It's so fun. Um anyways, it reminded me of the the ice the ice spiders. Um yeah. but I, yeah, so I think that for Grogu is going to be about knowing how to control his force abilities, knowing when to use them is just as important as knowing how to use them. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think, which is kind of funny for me to think about, but it, because it is a puppet. Right. But uh, mm-hmm. I think it's going to also help Grogu's confidence and his maturity to know how he can be helpful to mm-hmm. not just his dad, but to those around him and realize that he is an asset to people. And that even though he's small and even though he is young, like mm-hmm. he still is a valuable member of of his group of his tribe so to speak um yeah i'm curious how they're going to express that in a puppet right but they've done a fantastic job already uh so yeah and i'm also curious to see if he's going to need a nap after he uses a force every time (laughs) that's probably his biggest like how to use a force in bite-sized chunks so you don't have to take a monster (laughs) nap every time you use it yeah he is still a toddler i think it's so funny i literally it was just running this through my brain several times during the weekend or during this last rewatch I've done. Just watching him use it the first time, the, the mud horn, and you're like, yeah. wow, he's wiped out. I'm like, exactly what you said, Joseph. Like, the, the power meter does not have to go all the way to the top, buddy. I <laughs> 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 have to do this. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Jen, you make a great point uh, about how Grogu is going to feel about his different circumstance because, you know, the first season, he is being protected, the mm-hmm. second season, he is being taken home. Uh, the third season, I think he's obviously based on the Order 66 flashbacks, going to deal with some of his own trauma. Mm-hmm. But he's like, yeah, hey, dad, what do you need? <laughs> I guess right. you need to go to a mine because uh, you uh, showed me intimacy. OK, great. Um, I'll, I'll be there for you, dad. That's a real different position for Grogu to be in. Mm-hmm. And it's yeah. scarier in some sense because mm. he does have that bond and that relationship with his found father. And that would be terrifying for him to lose him when he already has lost so many people he's cared for in his life. And so that will up the stakes for this, for this little character. Mm-hmm. 
for this little guy. Well, speaking of Grogu, uh, as we are, we want to talk about his future. Has his time as a as a Jedi come to an end? Will he be able to bridge a historical divide between the Jedi and the Mandalorians? John Favreau was asked this in this interview and said this is a very astute observation. Then he added, you have a character, you have two different cultures that uh, a lot of how the Mandalorian armor was described to me as I talked to the people, Lucasfilm and Dave Filoni, is that one of the theories is that uh, that technology was developed in order to combat the abilities of the Jedi, that they uh, don't have these natural abil- abilities about to fight this in an asymmetric battle, and you have to be able to make up for what your deficiencies are. The armor was the thing that made up the deficiencies against the Force users. And yes, they were at war, but they also did cooperate from time to time, as we've seen. And then there were also characters like Tar Vizsla that was both. Grogu seems to have the potential of a lot of significance in bridging these two cultures. And maybe, maybe he's a character that can walk both those worlds. We will find out. Another <laughs> preview. Also, I love John going, yeah. So I sat down, they pulled out some visual dictionaries and I sat there in the break room and everyone let me know. <laughs> All right. Uh, I'm kidding, of course, because he's got this information in his heart. Not only, of course, did he play, uh, you know, uh, 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 House of Vizsla, uh, what's his name? Pre-Vizsla. Pre-Vizsla. Yeah, yeah, thank you, Previsla. And then uh, Paz, uh, you know, he, he knows us, but no one, Tarvis, tar- no one what's what it's about. We can always joke and, and neither John for being just a, a fan who's like I don't know Dave that seems like a deep cut but he's telling the story and, and he's got all the all the pieces in, in his heart so is this Grogu's great purpose his call will he unite these two groups do you, do you even like that and is this a good resolution for Mandalorians overall one place I want to go with this discussion uh, Jen what do you think about all that and the uh, canon facts at Favreau knows yeah, right. Uh, I like that he called it an astute observation to the mm-hmm. interviewer, which means that interviewer was on the right track. That's what I think. <laughs> I think he was taken aback. Mm-hmm. Oh, okay. Y- yeah. <laughs> yeah. So um, I-, I had two thoughts, and it could either be that, you know, Grogu somehow is like a mediator. Somehow he brings these two powerful groups together. Wonderful. But I actually think it's going to be more about him potentially being in danger, which is what unites these groups together for the greater good of the galaxy, Mm. Uh, which is going to be hard to watch to see a little Grogu in danger again. They're going to have to really up the stakes, especially if he has these, these, you know, uh, he's gotten more training. It could be a real showdown. So, Mm. and we all want the Mandalorians to be warriors for good and stop the infighting. We want, we want them to have peace. So yeah. yeah, this is, and I just, I just love that John Favreau uh, and Dave Filoni have this relationship where they can. It's yeah. just, it's just cool. They just seem like great yeah, friends. I'm poking a little fun, but I, I love it. I, I love it. And, and again, it's not like Favreau's not reading off a cue card here in this interview. He, <laughs> right. he knows great what, what's happening, knows what's going on, and he knows the history, and it factors into it there too. Also, you may with Grogu in a, a little more peril, Jed. You, you maybe think of that moment that we saw. It's out there in in a lot of the footage of of Bo-Katan and Grogu having a little standoff. It looks like for a second, right? We don't know the full mm. context, but I just like is Bo-Katan. Does she start this uh, show kind of uh, with a little bit of uh, I don't know some hurt feelings or some con- conflicted emotions, and maybe Grogu stirred it up and she's unhappy with that. I don't know. My mind goes to like who's going to try to hurt Grogu this time. So we'll see. We'll see. Dare. Uh, a lot of a lot on the table there, Joseph, for Grogu's great purpose. Uh, what do you think about that? Is this his call? <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, I think that Grogu is interestingly positioned, yeah, to be both uh, of Jedi and of Mandalore, but a specific kind of Mandalore. Um, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know, the armor has never had any problem being like, yeah, he he's, uh, he's a found lane. Yep, I got no problem making armor yeah. for him. I have no problem with you bringing him in to the creed. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. But 
the the intimacy is a whole different thing. I think it's interesting that both Din and Grogu are on a path to step away from doctrine and forge their own beliefs. Yeah. Um, ever since yeah. the armor appointed them is a, is a clan of two, is the Mudhorn clan's kind of been on the table like, hey, you know, you, you know, you two could decide. You could make <laughs> your own the, city charter. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Sit down, make up your own clan. But they're so now that Grogu has stepped away from Jedi doctrine. Uh, even, you know, kind of breaking, not breaking, uh, choosing to step away from one of the tenants, choosing to step away from no attachments, right? Yeah. So now he's in this place. Yeah, so I'm not even called breaking it. He, he was offered a choice and he took it. Uh, and so he can define for himself uh, what the Jedi tenants are, right? And right now, Din is following the strict uh, children of the Death Watch or children of the Watch um, doctrine. Uh, but I think he is eventually maybe going to also step away from that. And it puts them both in this really interesting position to say what what overlaps about Jedi culture, what overlaps about Mando culture in, in what we want to to make it uh, the same. I also think a uh, uh, final thought on this. Um, Bo-Katan also has the perspective of she was she is born of Mandalore. She grew up on Mandalore, mm. the watch and Din and Grogu all represent, it's not a people, it's a creed. Hmm. We haven't really gotten into whether Bo-Katan feeling wounded, upset, traumatized is going to get salty. Mm -hmm. <laughs> if, if she's going to say, hey, everybody's, uh, there's lots of ways to interpret Mandalore. Is at some point she's going to go, yeah, the little green guy's not a Mandalorian. I know you got your creed thing, but, mm -hmm. you know, mm -hmm. if that kind of ugly... <laughs> <laughs> division of what makes a Mandalorian might uh, might step up. I think that's a way that Grogu could bring everything together too, is that he is he is the ultimate, it's not a people, it's a creed. Yeah, I, I love that. The stuff you said about, you know, moving away from the doctrine, but maybe more towards your own beliefs or the beliefs uh, behind the doctrines, it's, it's pretty powerful stuff. And even just Mandalore is a culture, Mandalore is, is a world, is a, is a planet, is a people, whatever you want to look at it. I mean, a chance to rebuild it, but you know, you got one side saying, you know, no one else can come inside these walls and everyone else saying, I, I by, by being here, I am just as, as much of a Mandalorian as you are because of the creeds and the beliefs and my actions. That's some big stuff. That's some big, perhaps real world stuff. Mm -hmm. um, and, and here it is at play all over, you know, silly space swords and, 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 and worlds and sci-fi stuff. That's why we're here. That's why we love it. So I love this idea. Yeah. And it just makes a lot of sense. Almost to the point of like, I love this is this is the quote that I was like oh really we just got to start diving into the upcoming season but at the same time I was like it was it was such a good question but it was like John's response just was like you just did the VO for a trailer mm -hmm. mm. <laughs> we'll find out Grogu's great part like I'm excited to see this inside of the plow I don't necessarily think it gets resolved this season but mm. it's kind of where it's it, it's heading and and again I'm going to say you know we have to talk about the bumper sticker moments you got the poster moment Joseph of Jedi for powers in one hand dark saber in the other can they can they come together? And who's going to have a problem with that? And and under, under, under I understand, uh, you know, to a certain degree, you know, what Bo Katan might be thinking. It's 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 how she was raised. She knew no other way. And even that you know, the civil war, the the you know the the fight over what truly is a Mandalorian uh, is it is it peace or is it violence? Right. It, it, mm -hmm. And even that, uh, and and to have and be told time and time again. Um, you know, by Prime Minister Osmek and all those people that, you know, Django's not a real one. Bob is not a real one. This little, this little green thing's not a real one. That's good. That kind of fear is going to seep into your brain. And mm -hmm. so she's got to break away from that as well. And and, and, it, and it can be hard because, because I think at the end of the day, she thinks she's doing right and she has done right. She's made a lot of changes, a lot of growth, a lot of big decisions to get there. And so that's why I, I'm 
very curious about Bo-Katan's side of it as well. And then maybe Grogu could just sit everyone down at a campsite, pass out macaroons, <laughs> and we can talk about it. Yeah. I have a question for both of you on this topic of, yeah. of Jedi Grogu. Do you think that Grogu will in any way help Din master the Darksaber? Do you think that like, Grogu could try to get Din to like sit down and <laughs> meditate or mm. you know go through forms or in any way connect with that legacy of, of that is both Mandalore and Jedi that Din is carrying? Hmm. Jen, I'll let you go first, but yeah, I, I got some more, but yeah, yeah. Oh, it's an interesting, it's an because inter- I could see the moment where in some way Grogu kind of shows him or maybe Din learns from Grogu's behavior and is like, oh, yeah, I'll try that. Let's see. <laughs> Let's see what happens. But I do think it's going to be something that he's going to have to discover for himself. Hmm. I, I think that that's what's going to, yeah. Well, maybe we'll see it mid-season or at a crucial moment where he's finally able to... Uh, to do what he needs to do. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, I, I mean, just watching, we, we have Din with Darksaber and, and Book of Boba Fett, two big moments, right? We, we get the scene where he's just kind of a, a down and out bounty hunter uh, trying to look for the clues uh, right at the beginning of that episode. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. The butcher scene. Butcher yeah. scene, which is great. He's got the Darksaber and he's, there's no glory to it, right? He's just you know, right. from way beneath its station, the blade itself. And in fact, it hurts him as, as we see. So uh, that, Compared to like the stuff the armor is teaching him, the, the the blade is heavy. Watching the Sabine stuff and Rebels and how the blade, yeah, I think there's something to him needing a little extra boost. Uh, boost whether it's a sit down training sequence, I love, <laughs> but yeah, I think eventually we're gonna hear Grogu's first word. I don't know if it's coming yet, but yeah, have Grogu just kind of say slow down, sit down, slow down. You move too fast. You gotta make the morning last. Sit down. Let's connect with that blade and, and him kind of finding uh, the purpose of the blade. And maybe and maybe he can't find it. And maybe that's part of what happens. And maybe Bo-Katan has it. I don't know. But I, uh, to your question, I think I, I could see him seeing Grogu in action more, making right. him understand what, what he needs to do with the blade. Mm. Mm. Yeah. Just to be clear, I don't think uh, Grogu is going to like <laughs> grab mm. the dark saber and start swinging himself. Yeah. 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 <laughs> it's a little bit of a balance issue. Yeah, though I, I'd, I'd pay good money to see that. If I- <laughs> Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, a lot there. Uh, Joseph, uh, you thought too, and just um, Jen as well, the, the, the final question there, put a spotlight on it. Is this a good resolution for Mandalorians overall? The reason I even thought about that is is there's in the past and then going, going forward in Star Wars storytelling, the Mandalorians are kind of always, I don't say off to the side like they're not important, but they're they're doing their own thing a lot, right? And, and, and sometimes they just don't show up. Where were they in the Civil War? Well, now we're starting to get an answer to that. Uh, where are they in the New Republic? Uh, we're starting to get an answer to that. So to have them kind of working off, maybe working, you know, this thing out, uh, which way do we go? Uh, which way do we, how do we rebuild our planets? Just to me, it's it's a satisfying look into where they are at different points in the galaxy, including going forward, including during 7, 8, and 9. Um, because, uh, you know, sometimes that stuff, I remember the hype for Force Awakens, seeing all of Maz Kanata's flags. Mm-hmm. I think at Collider we did at least two videos on that's a Mandalorian symbol <laughs> and what fun it was, uh, but that didn't happen. So I think that's always a question, right? Because Mandalorians are so popular, uh, Mando Mercs and their costumes and all this stuff. Like we love so, so to go into it and to see this, to maybe get a clue to where they go and a direction going forward is intriguing to me. So long-winded question, but any thoughts on that, Jen? I think that they can unite for a period of time, but just like any costuming group, there, you know, there's a lot of personalities and people are going to are going to get into it and there's going to be drama and they be, be united for a for a goal, a purpose. 
but there could very well be people that that splinter off and do their own thing or become a threat or it's just it's just human nature both in real life and it also makes for a great story and it's how we can get more mandalorian lore and stories in the future yeah 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 like that there uh there you go joseph what do you think about all that yeah i think um in in terms of grogu uniting mandalorian and jedi i don't know how much that's literal of like there will be a group of uh, jedi Mm -hmm. mandos you know but more that idea of if they excuse me if they look at at grogu as a symbol of what mandalore can be Mm -hmm. i just think there's so much power that this entire show starts out with that grogu looking up at at din in din needing a child to see a mandalorian as help and salvation not a hunter in yeah. if there is an idea of mandalorians form around like we've got a lot of beliefs but at the end of the day when somebody looks up at a mandalorian we want it to be that they know they are saved yeah yeah that yeah that image is pretty powerful and wanting to take that into the world makes a lot of sense love that there all right we're not done. We've got more to talk about because John was still doing some talking. Before we take a quick break, we're going to have a Force Center Recommends an audiobook we think you should try out on us. Joseph, what do we have today? Path of Deceit by Justina Ireland and Tessa Grattan. If you string together the number of times that we've recommended this, we could have probably listened to the audiobook in that amount of time. We are very uh, behind on the High Republic, but we want to catch up. We do, we do. And uh, you can catch up by downloading your free audiobook today by going to audibletrial.com slash center. Again, that's audibletrial.com slash center for your free audiobook. All right, quick break on the other side. More Mandalorian Season 3 talk. Cool fact, a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at hellofresh.com. One size fits all seemed like a good idea for clothes. Nice dress. Uh it's a it's a t-shirt. Until you tried it on. Same goes for your healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers a variety of flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. So whether you're between jobs, coming off a parent's plan, or even missed open enrollment, you can find the plan that fits you best. Find out more about United Healthcare coverage at uh1.com. That's uh1.com. Since 2013, Bombus has donated over 100 million socks, underwear, and t-shirts to those facing homelessness. 
If we counted those on air, this ad would last over 1,157 days. But if we counted the time it takes to make a donation possible, it would take just a few clicks. Because every time you make a purchase, Bombas donates an item to someone who needs it. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Welcome back. We are talking Star Wars news, but really it's kind of a preview of the themes, the emotions, and the sticky situations coming our way. Mandalorian Season 3. We are right around the corner, which I'll say this. It finally hit me, not just that, oh, man, I got to start practicing staying up to midnight again in a day or two, but it has been a long time. All due respect to uh, Andor and Bad Batch and Book of Boba Fett. Uh, it's been a long time since we've had our friends full scale in our lives and excited to have them all back. So more from John. Does Mando have a plan? Uh, there's, I think there's a ton <laughs> of interviews we can probably pull from, but here's where we're going to this. One of the big discourse discussions, that should be a capital D and a capital D this week, was that a fourth season of The Mandalorian has already been written. I think we kind of have known that for a bit. But John has said he has no plan for the show and doesn't necessarily think it has to end soon. Now, I saw that, and I'll, I'll, I'll admit this. In fact, people in our force in our Discord through our Patreon page saw my comment. I kind of snarkily laughed at this because I hadn't had my coffee yet. I just was like, ha, great. Make it up as you go along. I don't care. Uh, that because that plan conversation for the secret trilogy still has a is it's a it's a it's a burr on my side there. But hey, when asked directly about an ending or having an endpoint in mind, John said, "No, I don't. I think the beauty of this is that it's a middle chapter of a much larger story, and though we'll have resolution over time with these characters, I think that how these characters fit into the larger scope and scale." Uh, but it's not like there's a finale that we're building to and that I have in mind. Quite the contrary. I love for these stories to go on and on. So these characters potentially could be with us for a while. And I really love telling stories in their voice. And I love the way the adventures unfold. And I'm looking forward to doing much more. All right. This caused some varied reactions. As I said, once again, uh, we love Star Wars fandom, loves to debate the word plan. As uh, I don't even love to deba debate it. I just love laughing at it sometimes. But what did we take from that? I'll start with you, Joseph, because you've probably had a cup of coffee and I have. Uh, yeah, I'm just about done with my coffee. Yeah, I mean, just to address the plan thing quickly, obviously people can do whatever they want, but I think it might be time to free ourselves culturally of the word plan. <laughs> yes. I, I, I think an exercise that is informative is go watch a classic movie, maybe one you've never seen, um, maybe one you haven't seen in a long time. Watch the movie, enjoy the movie, then go read the Wikipedia page about the genesis of that movie. And some of them will be absolutely planned down to the tiniest beat. Some will be nothing but chaos behind the scenes. Mm -hmm. And yet a masterpiece came out. We've talked about it before. I think we, we, um, mm -hmm. we've all experienced 
is uh, artists that um, sometimes not having a plan can make something disorganized, random, patched together, but also sometimes not having a plan allows for exploration, discovery, happy accidents. Having a rigid plan leads to something that feels not very creative. It's just, here's here's the beat. So I just think people should let go of the plan Mm -hmm. thing and engage with the story is my opinion on the plan word. Um, But in terms of actually interpreting what uh, Favreau is saying, um, I took it, A, you got to just always remember that he's probably not going to just randomly tell Games Radar, like, yep, season six. That's what my contract is. It's going to end then. (laughs) (laughs) Two seasons of Ahsoka, uh, one and a half of Skeleton Crew that, like, if he knows his stuff, he's not going to say it. Um, You know, or maybe they don't know yet. Maybe it's going to end in season five. Maybe it's season six of of Mandalorian. Who knows? Mm -hmm. But uh, I think what he's saying is, that there will be an end for this chapter in Din and Grogu's story and maybe grief and Cobb Vanth and all that. Mm-hmm. But I feel like what he's saying is also there's an acknowledgement that stories will go, go on after these TV shows are done, that mm-hmm. these are characters in the Star Wars galaxy. And as we know, stories go on about characters after their first major story. Mm-hmm. So I think he's saying... Hey, yeah, no, I don't. I, I don't know exactly where this chapter of this story is going to end. We will end this chapter eventually. We'll figure it out, um, and we'll end this chapter. But even after that chapter is gone, fifty years from now, you might get a Din and Grogu story because that's how Star Wars works. Yeah, fifty. Well, I'm going to be a hundred on Force Center. I love it. <laughs> doing it, doing it. Uh, well said. And as far as the, the the plan thing is, plan has now become one of those words that it just it's moved far beyond what it maybe was even originally intended in the phantom discussion world. Right? It's just anytime you see something you don't understand, ah, they should have planned it, or, or anything you don't like, yeah, they should have planned it. And and you've described the creative process pretty darn well there, Joseph. Yeah, you, no, thanks. You, you need to know where you're going, but. How you get there, it can change and, and your heart uh, could take in different directions. The characters can take you into different directions. Uh, Jen, even when planning a TikTok video, it might end up a little bit different than you uh, thought of, right? Oh, it's, yeah. One thing I've learned from TikTok is oftentimes you don't want to have a plan because <laughs> you can spend a week on a video and it can get no numbers. And then you could do one, record it for like 30 seconds and it gets, you know, 50,000 views. You just don't know. <laughs> And the point of that is, is that as creators, we have to be open. We have to, we have to, you know, inspiration's going to come. And I think it's so smart that he said that he doesn't have a, a finite ending. I would be a little concerned if he said, yes, I know exactly how this is going to end and when it's going to end, blah, blah, blah. I'd be like, oh no, because that's not the Star Wars way. Who would have ever imagined that we would be getting Mon Mothma in a streaming show I never imagined that uh, as a kid. Um, and part of the fun, story-wise, is is thinking about how we could see these these two characters together again, separately. Maybe they could appear in a future show, a movie, book, mm-hmm. video game. We have no idea. And I think it leaves open those possibilities business-wise, because we always mm-hmm. are talking about the show business. The Mandalorian is Star Wars's mega hit. It is Disney Plus's Disney Plus's bread and butter, one of their one of their big mm-hmm. hits. I would absolutely leave the door open to these characters returning to their story, somehow evolving. You never know. I would never close a chapter on on this because it's just yeah. 
It's great. Yeah, it's a great I, story and it's good good money making. Yeah, and I'm not, I don't think you're suggesting or am I suggesting that Favreau's uh, answering to stockholders here by going, no, no. It's, it's going to go on and on. Don't worry. Don't you worry. Keep investing. But it, it, that that's part of it too. Uh, but I, yeah, he, he wouldn't say any of that in the interview. He pulls out his contract to your point, Joseph. Of like, <laughs> Let me go over this thing. And it, it's interesting because you, you mentioned like you know, the Star Wars way. Tony Gilroy's talked very much a, a lot often and a lot about his final shot and everything. But we know where that's going because that goes into Rogue One. Mm-hmm. But even his path to that final shot has changed. Uh, we were going to do five seasons and Diego and I got bored. We well, I just want to do two. I'm paraphrasing. That's a joke, folks. Um, but that, that the path to that even that ending has changed. And he's open a, as a creator, too. So that's part of it. Uh, but look, in another interview, everyone calm down. Everyone calm down. In another interview, John said that he knows where they're going. And that because of the expansion of the Mandoverse, they need to be aware of what's going on in other shows and have to keep it uh, in, keep in mind things they've already set up. So in other words, they're not improv on set and just winging it. They do know where they're going um they're creating this universe but things change with that rangers the new republic it's there it's gone skeleton crew pops up ahsoka just one lim- season a limited series or are they doing two uh there's uh, questions about that there's all those kind of things it's expanding so uh beyond the business of it what does that that final thing there this interview of, yeah we know where we're going we're also very aware of what's going on around us in our little corner of the star wars galaxy what does it do for your expectations of, of cameos crossovers uh, shared storylines uh, anything uh, that you might expect in this season or want in future seasons, Joseph, of, of The Mandalorian, the, the anchor show of the Mandoverse? Yeah, I mean, I, I think that there is going to continue to be, you know, crossovers and shared storylines. That's so much of what he's saying in this interview of like, yeah, no, I already wrote season four because I really need to make sure that everything is lining up with uh, Ahsoka and Skeleton Crew because it, it is all interconnected. And uh, I know that there are some people who might get tired of that, but th- this is, if you choose to invest in the Mandoverse, it sounds like it is going to be what it says on the tin. <laughs> if you want some disconnected Star Wars, I really understand. But I just think that they're playing really fair of like, that's not what this is. So I do expect more crossovers in in shared storylines. Um, mm-hmm. I think ultimately in the Mandoverse, they're still building up to some sort of big confrontation. You know, um, mm-hmm. back when Ahsoka and Rangers of the New Republic were announced, there was they and they'll culminate in this, you know, shared uh, Netflix is the defenders, but for Disney Plus. And I don't know if that's, you know, exactly going to manifest that way, but I feel like this story is still building that way. Um, mm-hmm. I know, I know he's, he's your guy, but uh, uh, also big fan of Carson Teva. Carson Teva is hitting, hitting big on Sarah and I's uh, rewatch. And, and I think that there could be a special event called Carson Teva was right. Uh, <laughs> that thread that's being built up that, you know, we're all out here trying to build a better world for ourselves. Grief's trying to build something in the outer rim. And there's something going on there. I still think they're heading there. I think mm-hmm. if Mandalore becomes a little bit more united, the the best way to to test that fragile union is for them to face some big trial. So yeah. those are some of the kind of storytelling places that my mind goes. Absolutely. Look, Carson Teva is not uh, uh, an office space I own. It's a WeWork building. Okay. <laughs> Everyone... It's a shared community. We got a beer keg. Uh, it's even. It's a cult. It's like we work. So uh, there you go. There you go. No, and, and we, yeah, because you got you got the Kathleen Kennedy Investor Day moment. Hey, all these shows leading to, to a big kind of shared event. Those are some buzzwords, right, to get you excited. Uh, I, I still think that's yeah. That's that's why not. It's fun too. I'm, I'm sure it's fun for all of them to figure out how to get there uh, along the way. Uh, Jen, your thoughts there on cameos, crossovers, storylines. Do you want uh, Jude Law as Lor Santeca? My Still my secret hope showing up. What do you, what do you feel? 
I just got really excited at the possibility of like Star Wars Avengers, like seeing Ahsoka, <laughs> Boba, and Din, Grogu, like all in a circle, Avenger style, the camera going around them. <laughs> I got so excited at that possibility. I had, I don't know why I hadn't thought about it before, but like I could squeal with delight just imagining that in my head. And I think it really speaks to how well they have collaborated in the Mandoverse, right? I think it's just so great that it all is all connected, that they all these creators are talking to each other, not saying, okay, I'm going to do this. Not like that, but just like, here's where I'm going. Where are you going? Okay, I don't want to step on your toes. Okay, we, this can work in. I just think it, it makes it really fun as a viewer, as a fan, um, as a fan of obviously the animated uh, world. Like it's just really, because you never know Who's going to pop up? Uh, I think we could see Ahsoka in The Mandalorian. Or we could mm-hmm. see, I don't know if we could see Din and Ahsoka. But the possibilities are endless, I guess, is what, is what gets me excited. And why mm. I just, I love the Mandoverse. Yeah, no, it's fun. Again, you're dealing with um, you know, a certain time period in the Star Wars storyline. Uh, you want to keep options open, but there's some canon to deal with. In that. And I think they've done a great well, take, great job taking it for the books. Taking from the books and everything. I, I do love, I'm getting excited because I love your your idea here. You get Din, Grogu, Boba Fett, Fennec, uh, Ahsoka. Yes, Jeremy Fennec. Renner. Yes. Jeremy Renner standing there. Doesn't know why, but he's very much shy. There's standing around him. Yes. Wonderful. Fighting the Yuzon Vong. Oh, no, I said it. Oh, get oh. The, get the, yeah. get the you got Shriv. You got Sinjur Rath Velas. Kes Dameron in live action. All oh. sorts of fun people wow. floating around. Yurik wow. Quill. Like, ah, oh, there's so much yeah. stuff there. So oh. Oh, that is so good. Yeah, yeah, I think he also says a thing in uh, in this general chunk of the interview, I believe, about talking about when to flip cards over. And mm-hmm. I think that's a lot of the collaboration, too, of clearly they know what's going on in this timeline. Um, and it's when to reveal it. When's it going to be most impactful? Look at the way they talked about the purge. They kind of gave us the information that the purge happened, but then they had mm-hmm. little drips and drops about, can you even go to Mandalore? Is it even holding together as a planet? You know, and then finally we see the purge. I think so much that the armor says to Din in, you know, uh, chapter five of book of Boba Fett years into this, they've known since the beginning, but that's when we find out. So I think a lot of it of this is, when are we going to share what we've been building to with all the cloning stuff? Right. Yeah. Yeah. It's great. It, yeah. It's like playing Uno. You got to, when you want to use that draw four, reverse or skip, you got to, you got to know when to play. Got to know when to play it there, everybody. A uh, lot in these interviews. There was a lot there. Exciting stuff. Are there any other tidbits out there? Whether it's the inside total film interview, anything else out there, Jen, that you want to discuss? I love that that uh, John Favreau said that he, um, when he talked about the Mandalorian being a weekly show, and how seeing the discussion that happens between the episodes, he said, I love to see which which ones the people react to better and ultimately get the report card if we're doing our job well. I like that, that you know, as he's obviously a fan himself, but he also uses fan reaction to kind of gauge whether they were successful or not, because it is important, right? You want your art to be well received, or if it's not, you want to go, okay, I guess that didn't, that didn't work the way that I had envisioned it. And it's like kind of a vulnerable thing to share. It's a very honest thing to share, which is why I really like him so much. And I think it speaks to how much he cares about the stories that he's telling and how much he respects not only the world, but also the fans. Yeah. They want to get it right. They want, and they want to get it right based on their vision for it. They, mm-hmm. they want to hope their vision is in line with it. And, and it, hey, look, like I said up top, even just posting videos on YouTube, that, that's a scary situation mm-hmm. sometimes. And, 
And, uh, you know, John's uh, doing well. Uh, several Cubano sandwiches in his future. He's okay. But but uh, I, I, he's a human, too. And I'm sure he wants to know. He's uh, he's hitting the marks with these shows. So that's mm-hmm. a great point there. Uh, Joseph, any thoughts on that or any other tidbits that you want to get to? Yeah, no, I, I was gravitating toward the same thing that Jennifer was. I, I liked his quote right at the beginning of that question of the goal is, I don't know about breaking the internet, but the goal is that we have enough things happen each episode that everybody wants to jump around the digital kitchen table and talk about and argue about and guess to what is going to happen next. Uh, I, I appreciated mm-hmm. uh, that thumbs up for uh, what all of, all of us uh, podcasts and YouTube yeah. <laughs> and, uh, and Star Wars fans do and, and how it's a kind of a, a, a feedback uh, circle. Mm-hmm. Uh, I also think there's just something really important. This distinction that I think sometimes g- doesn't get made that um, the idea that Favreau is a fan, loves these stories, and he and, and Floney certainly too, but, but looking specifically at, at Favreau, he's incredibly powerful. He could do almost anything he wants in Hollywood right now. Mm-hmm. He wants to be doing this mm-hmm. and i think he has ideas where he is saying i think this is cool i think everybody's going to lose their mind if we reveal this character or if, or if you find out this episode that's where we're going with the cloning stuff it's not hey i'm just trying to please fans it's i'm a fan i think this is cool i hope you will too so it mm-hmm. is coming from a personal place it is an artistic statement and that to me is the difference between, you know, you, people get painted with the the pandering fan service mm-hmm. of this. The fan that's being serviced is John Favreau. Exactly. And he hopes it works for us, too. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I agree with that. Powerfully, powerfully mm-hmm. including some stuff in the sequels or solo or anything of just like, hey, what do you think? Oh, you hate me? Want me, want me to die? Okay. Got it. Got it. <laughs> uh, anyways, there. Um a lot of stuff to discuss still, I'm sure. Uh, but guess what? Mando is here. Season three is on our doorstep. Uh, if you're listening to this episode when we released it, it's uh, tonight if you're on the West Coast or tomorrow morning, mm. depending where you are in the world. That is kind of crazy and fun. What a time to be a Star Wars fan. Before we get out of here, as always, we're going to take a look at this week in Star Wars history. Looking ahead to Star Wars past. And uh, on March 2nd, 2013, 10 years ago, if you're doing the math, the final episode of the Star Wars The Clone Wars fifth season aired after being falsely accused of bombing the Jedi Temple and proven innocent thanks in part to the help of bad man Anakin, Ahsoka Tano walks away from the Jedi Order. Of course, after being told, hey, that was your test. Good job. You passed. The moving episode was also the de facto series finale until the so-called Lost Six season was released. And of course, the seventh season on Disney+. Plus. But let's go back to the release of this episode. What did it mean to you then? How do you feel about this being an ending at the time? And how does it feel to have this 10 years in the past and then an Ahsoka series is on the way this year, perhaps even the fall? Jen, where do you go with your Ahsoka thoughts? I remember being shocked that this was how it ended for Ahsoka, for the show itself at the time. And if you rewatch that moment when Anakin asked her to, you know, to come back to the Jedi Order, there is this really ominous music that is playing underneath. It's it's a little like jarring until she says that she's not coming back. And then this like almost like forced like theme, peaceful music enters. Mm-hmm. And it, it it's very sad. I felt like it was a very sad ending, but it's also a ma- more mature one, which I feel like represents the journey 
that the Clone Wars took, the show itself, because initially I saw it as kind of like a kid's show. Boy, was I proved wrong because <laughs> it gave us some of the best Star Wars storytelling um, and lore to date. Uh, it's just incredible to think about how that show kind of laid the foundation for The Mandalorian in some ways, obviously mm-hmm. Ahsoka, and really and brought up Dave Filoni. And he has emerged as this incredible, powerful uh, Star Wars storyteller. It's amazing. Uh, well said. Well said. Uh, Joseph, your thoughts on this uh, big episode uh, and uh, and all the things in there? Yeah, as I've uh, mentioned, I, I didn't actually watch Clone Wars as it was airing. Uh, I went to the film in 2008 and, you know, had some struggles with it. Struggles that are long gone. Uh, but I remember walking out of that film going, what happens to that Ahsoka? <laughs> it's one of my main questions of like, this, this, hey, she was cool, interesting, neat idea, fun. Ugh. You know, the the shadow of Order 66 hanging over, over everything. And then when I did finally start watching the show in 2014, I remember uh, desperately avoiding the answer of what happens to Ahsoka during those couple of weeks of watching all of the Clone Wars really quickly. I think I literally ducked out of a conversation. Uh, I was reading a book, uh, the, the How Star Wars Conquered the Universe, and it got into the Clone Wars, and I just skipped that chapter entirely. <laughs> <laughs> because I was like, I've been wondering about this since 2008. What happens mm. to Ahsoka? Um, so I, I was really moved by the episode. I thought it was, like Jennifer is saying, an, an elegant solution, a powerful solution, if the Clone Wars is the story of... Uh, the Jedi losing their way. It's just such a great story of Ahsoka holding on to the key principles of the Jedi, seeing that they have become in rigid lockstep with the government that's lost its way and, and mm. walking away. You know, what, a, what a scary thing to do, right? Like, and it's so relatable to have me like, hey, um, I was raised well by my family, but now my family is doing things that I'm not okay with. Um mm. I don't have enough money to go to college. I don't know where I'm going to live, <laughs> but I'm walking out of this house and that's all I know is yeah. it's, it's powerful. Um, and I think to your, your question, Ken, about how does it feel 10 years on uh, to have her in her own show? Like that, that episode of Clone Wars was, was bittersweet justice for Ahsoka. It, it was mm-hmm. justice for her character with, with that powerful, positive music. And then this is kind of like um, real life justice <laughs> for yeah. the character of Ahsoka that, uh, you know, after a, a bumpy start with fan relations, uh, she is a beloved character and stepping into the the full spotlight of a live action television show is, is justice for Ahsoka. It is indeed. And just speaks to, you know, Star Wars is ever going and ever growing. Uh, and mm-hmm. and a lot of what's going on there. Yeah. I did watch it when it aired and, and loved it, but it's only gotten better for me over time. That whole series, the whole arc, uh, where it goes, um, just makes a lot of sense. You guys talk about the solution, uh, a, a good solution for the, the, the big question, because that was that always hung over it. And it was a lesson for me as it really leading up to it, right? But even to this big moment, I was one of those, you know, a-holes in a bar going, well, she's got to die. <laughs> <laughs> she's got to die. Like, that's that's it was so... Narrow-minded, one road into the story, uh, and I just kind of was humbled in that moment. You know, the, the, the actual moment of like, oh, never even thought about that. Never even <laughs> thought about that. So it's a different time for me. But uh, this, it, it, what you talk about, Joseph, really falls into the we were talking about earlier the the beliefs, not the doctrine, and 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 uh, separating from something that uh, means well but it's now harmful. I mean, that, that's big stuff, big real world stuff, and uh, all to have it. Uh, 
on a, a Ahsoka's shoulders. And, and now we get to see the character going forward. We can spend more time with her. Cause that could have been, to me, it actually could have been a, a fine enough ending in the sense of we'd always wonder, but you could just probably imagine that uh, she was probably out helping people mm-hmm. probably out just being part of the solution in her own way. And now we get to see that play out. So uh, a lot of fun there. We're close. We're close. We're very close. Uh, I know a lot of people think the fall, there's some, documentation, some quotes or retweets. There's a lot of people looking at it. So uh, uh, regardless, uh, the year of Ahsoka, we are in it and we'll probably always be in it there. So there we go. All right, that's it. We're out of here. Just a little show, just a little review, longer than our normal news show because we want to spend some time with our friends who are returning to our lives here. Uh, you can find us on Twitter at Force Center Pod. We're on Facebook uh, as well, Force Center Podcast, Instagram and YouTube. Subscribe over there for uh, shorts, essays, clip outs, uh, podcast rebroadcast. Uh, there's a lot going on over there. So join the party. Podcast is available on ACAST, iHeartRadio, and a lot of spots. Just search, you'll find us. Merch available at tpublic.com slash user slash force center, patreon.com slash force centers where you can support us directly. And we have the new merch merch tiers, uh, some designs and things that uh, you can't get on the T Public store, exclusive on the Patreon merch level. So uh, uh, there you go. For me, you can follow me at Ken Napsock. Or go to catnapsack.com for more information. Jen, where, where can they find you? You can find me on Instagram or YouTube at Jennifer Landa, uh, TikTok at Jennifer Landa 1138. And I will be covering the Mandalorian in my own way. I like to pick out little details, whether it's a creature, an alien, mm. or a particular visual effect and just analyze it. Uh, so I'm excited. I can't wait for this week. Oh, it's fun. It's fun. Uh, a lot of good stuff there. So make sure you're following Jen there. And Joseph, where can they find and follow you? Yeah. I'm, I'm, well, you can find me watching Jennifer's videos. I always love uh, to see what you pick out. And that's actually a fun game that I can do when I'm watching an episode of The Mandalorian of which detail is Jen going to sink her teeth into? It's fun to think about. Uh, you can find me on all the social media at Joseph Scrimshaw. You can also go to my YouTube channel. Uh, just search for Joseph Scrimshaw on YouTube. Uh, a couple weeks ago, I put up a new short film, a darkly comic cosmic horror short called Unboxing the Cosmos. That is very close to 1,000 views. I'd love to get it uh, over 1,000 views. So if you're at all interested, uh, please check it out. Check it out. Go over there. It's a fun time. It's it's a good cup of coffee watch there. If I do say so myself. All right, my friends. All right. I think I'm losing my voice. It's time to go. We've talked about Grogu and Star Wars news. We'll see you next time here on Force. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. 
Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Why don't more infant formula companies use organic, grass-fed whole milk instead of skim? Why don't more infant formula companies use the latest breast milk science? Why don't more infant formula companies run their own clinical trials? Why don't more infant formula companies use more of the proteins found in breast milk? Why don't more infant formula companies have their own factories instead of outsourcing their manufacturing? We wondered the same thing. So we made Byheart a better formula for formula. Learn more at byheart.com. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. If you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. Use the Stamps.com mobile app to mail everything you need to keep your business running with up to 89% off USPS and UPS. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Use code PROGRAM for a special offer. That's Stamps.com, code PROGRAM.